BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Let's Talk Movies podcast. I'm your host, Brian Drolet. And today on the show, I have a good, another good friend of mine, a filmmaker, a writer, a director, most recently a book author. Please help me welcome Christopher Livingston. How you doing, Bri? I'm good, I'm good. I see you got your director's beard going. I have my director's beard going. I, you know, I thought about shaving before you came by, but you get those red marks and stuff, and I thought, that's not going to be a good look. Wouldn't it be a good look, you no. know? Instead, we got the nice, cloudy, white beard. I, mm-hmm. I like it. I like the, the white hair looks good on you. I, I dyed it this color. Oh, okay, great, great, great. <laughs> it's for the seasons, for Christmas. Everything right? in Hollywood is smoke and mirrors. Okay, you can't even believe the man's facial hair. Well, thanks for joining me on the Let's Talk Movies podcast, where I'm sure you can guess we talk movies. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, That's a coincidence. Yeah. So I want to get, I want to learn about you. Uh, tell the people watching at home, what is your background with movies? How did you, I always like to start with, um, what's your earliest memory of like having the thought, wow, I want to make movies when I get older. I want to be involved in that. Well, to be honest, I really didn't think that I was even, that it was even something I could possibly do. Um, I, I, my first love was music. I started writing songs uh, when I was a teenager. My father was president of Capitol Records uh, back in the 60s. Uh, he signed the Beatles and the Beach Boys and Frank Sinatra. His father signed the Beatles and Frank Sinatra. I mean, are you kidding me? So, you know, music was always something that was sort of pushed on me. My, my dad, uh, you know, always said, you got to 
practice the piano and I, you know, I had friends up the street and they all had motorcycles and I'd hear them ring going up and down the street and uh, you know, I'd have to sit in there and play and I was just dying to get outside. But it turned out to be a, a, you know, a, a very good thing. And um, I started writing songs when I was a teenager and then my father, he wrote a book um, based on his experience in the music industry. Uh, it was called Ronnie Finkelhoff Superstar and it was basically the premise of Hannah Montana long before Hannah Montana was ever made. And uh, it got optioned by Warner Brothers, Zanuck and Brown, uh, two big producers uh, at the time. They did Jaws and The Sting, um, optioned it, and um, it was gonna be made into a feature film. And this was right around the time that I was in college and starting to write songs. And I thought, you know what? Um, I'm gonna take some, some of the titles out of the book and I'm gonna write uh, some, some songs. I figured if this thing ever gets made into a movie, maybe. I could get a song in the, you know, in, in, in a film. So I started writing the songs, and then I, um, I was going to school in Connecticut, and I got Lyme disease. And Lyme disease is, uh, it's actually, I, my school was right near Old Lyme, Connecticut, which is where the, the disease got its name. You get bit by a tick, and um, I was sick for the entire summer. I was wow. starting to work in the mailroom at William Morris, William Morris, for those that don't know, is one of the biggest uh, agencies for creatives uh, in the Hollywood industry. So this is like a huge deal to be interning there. So um, I was working for about two weeks and all of a sudden I got sick. I had to take you know some days off. And I went to sleep one night and my, my heart was like doing flip-flops and something was wrong and I was having trouble catching my breath. And so um, my mom said, you gotta go see the doctor. So the next day I went, he basically, he said, if I, he gave me an EKG and he said, something's wrong, something's way off. So I, um, I went to see a heart specialist the next day and he said, if I had seen your EKG the day before, I would have given you, I would have given you a pacemaker and put you in the hospital. So I had to quit William Morris and, and I literally had to go to bed for six weeks wow. for the summer and I had nothing to do. And so I took my dad's screenplay that he'd written for Zanuck and Brown and I said, you know, um, I read it and thought, I, I, I see opportunities here that I think could make it better. So when this is just your instinct, you hadn't been studying this. No. Okay. Um, but I obviously love movies and you know, that was sort of a dream in the far recesses of my mind, um, but never really thought it as realistic. So it's funny that your father signed people like the Beatles or Frank Sinatra and you're still like making movies. That's not realistic though. I mean, <laughs> you would think coming from that background, you're like, I can do anything. You know, this is easy. You know, my, my, I came online very slowly with my <laughs> awareness of, of the world. Um, yeah, since it was your dad, you probably didn't even realize what a big deal that was when you were younger. Well, you know, my parents, they never talked about themselves. I never knew anything about my parents. I, I learned everything about my parents from other people. So I remember I went up the street, there was this family up the street, these are the ones with the motorcycles and they had you know, um, all these kids up there. And we were listening to the Partridge family one day and we were all jumping on the couch and dancing to the music and um, you know, the oldest brother comes in and says, you know, Chris's dad signed the Beatles. And I'm like, who? Oh my goodness. <laughs> and um, so he's like, yeah. So he, and I was like, I had no idea who they were. So he put them on the radio that he put on, on the, on the stereo, he put on Hard Day's Night. 
And everybody starts getting excited and bouncing around and they're all really impressed. And all I'm thinking the whole time is, I wish my dad had signed the Partridge family. <laughs> oh my goodness. <clears throat> so um, I, anyway, I, I didn't really know, I, you know, I kind of came, people told me things I learned along the way. But anyway, I'd never had any realistic idea that I could make a movie. And so I sat down that summer and I rewrote my dad's script. Wow. And, and did he know you were doing yeah, that? Yeah, he said I could. I asked him, I said, would you be okay if I did that? Okay. So he said, yeah. So, and keep in mind, this is before there was even computers. So I was like, you know, I wrote it in the margins and then I would type it. I actually typed it up, you know, along the way as I was changing things. And so eventually uh, I finished and he liked what I did. And he said, um, I'm gonna give this to Zanuck and Brown. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> and by the way, I had to you know, quit the, the William Morris, obviously, for the summer. Um, so Zanuck and Brown liked what I did, and they said, we're gonna go with your version of it. Whoa, no so, way. You know, I, I, in my summer break in college, you know, I'd started off with a mailroom job at the William Morris Agency, mm -hmm. and suddenly had you know, a, a potential credit on a script that was optioned by Zanuck and Brown. So, I thought that was pretty cool and very cool. Very excited. And then eventually, you know, as in Hollywood, this happens all the time. So People I'm sorry, you said it was optioned, right? Uh, what you just said? Yes, it was optioned. Warner so Brothers. Because they might not know what that means is when something's optioned, people pay you to basically own the rights to produce your movies. So if you're a writer and a script gets optioned, it's a very exciting thing. Still doesn't mean it's gonna get made, but it means there, there's a good chance and there's a company putting hard money down for your script. And by the way, when they optioned that, my dad actually got quite a substantial option. I think times have changed now. You know, people are very chintzy with, with yeah. option money. Um, but at the time, he got quite a substantial option, which even be, would be huge today. Um, but eventually the, the project didn't pan out and um, it went on turnaround and we got the rights back to it. It's something I still would like to make. This is like a dream of mine. And, but, at the, but what that did was that it inspired me because all of a sudden there was, you know, like I kind of got the, a, the bug, it bit me. Yeah. I thought. Well, not the tick this time. Not the tick. Oh, oh, <laughs> see what I did there? Oh, you did. <laughs> 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 so um, I, uh, a friend of mine, John Turtletop, who was actually a, a very su successful uh, film director, he did, um, you know, the, the um, uh, you know, with, Nicolas Cage, the the treasure, yeah, National Treasure movie. Oh, he did those movies. Yes, he did. He while, actually while came to the sleeping. premiere of, of our film, right? Didn't he? He did. He came to the premiere of Be Like Be Trees. Be Like Trees, the movie I mentioned on episode one. Uh, Chris and I directed that movie, and the gentleman he's talking about now came to the premiere and said, "Our film that we made on just an iPhone was the future of filmmaking." <laughs> Sorry, I just had just had to throw that in there. Go on. <laughs> So anyway, he had gone to film school, he was a year ahead of me, and he had gone to USC film school. And so that was the first time I'd ever even heard of film school. So I was like, that sounds interesting. And I was getting you know, towards the end of college. And um, I applied to USC, NYU, and to UCLA. Those are like the three top, I think Columbia was the, the fourth. They were like considered the top four graduate film schools. And um, <clears throat> secretly, I wanted to go to NYU because I'd grown up in Los Angeles and I just thought, you know. Grass is greener on the other side of the country. Well, I wanted to experience New York. Yeah, I figured yeah. that would be good for me. So um, anyway, I applied to all three 
I did not hear back from UCLA. I think they lost my application or something happened. Uh, but I did not get into USC, and I got into NYU. And, and interestingly, at the time, NYU, they were one of the few schools that actually asked for creative material. And I had no creative material to provide except for music. Well, actually, I had the script, but it was my father's script that I had just done a rewrite on. So it, wasn't, like, it was hard for me to, like, you know. But I sent in all my music, and... Um, I said I wanted to do musicals, and I figured, you know, they like to take a different spectrum of people. Who the hell is going to apply to NYU Film School or Martin Scorsese's, <laughs> like, you know, teaching a class that says they want to do musicals? So I got in and was shocked and thrilled. And so um, I started off at school. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, and the first year is all about teaching you how to tell a story with pictures, the visuals, you know, show, don't tell. And you do three shorts your first year. The first one's silent, second one's to a piece of music, and the third one you're allowed, you know, very limited sound. You can dub, but no live sound. All black and white. And they also, the first year of film school, when I went, they don't do this anymore, uh, they cut 20% of the first year class. So it was very cutthroat, very competitive, you know, and um, it was, it was, you know, nerve-wracking. And I had this great teacher, um, Roberta Hodas, who is kind of a legend um, in the film industry. Um, she was a script supervisor, you know, way back in the day. I think she, you know, like, very substantial films. She was kind of a legendary teacher, and I was, I was the last class that she taught, um, wow. which was wonderful. And Roberta, she... I don't know why, because there was nothing that I was bringing to the table at the time that would make me stand out, but there was something that, about, that she liked about me. And we kind of clicked. And um, at the end of the first year, I got you know, back in. And, uh, oh, you have, to, you have to get in again? You have to, you have to, well, you don't have to resubmit. Once, they just have to be, you have, they cut 20% of the class. Really? Yeah. That's gotta be heartbreaking <clears throat> to get in, spend your freshman year, and then just get cut? It's like sports. Right. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I made the cut, and that was when I decided. That was the first time I decided, because the first year I was kind of like, you know, songwriting's my first love. I'm doing this because I'm in, I got in, you know, I'm, I'm out of college. What else am I going to be doing except getting a job? This is great. You know, I'm looking forward to it. But I didn't take it seriously enough. And like I said, I managed to get back in, but it was my second year of NYU that I really said, okay, I want to take advantage of this opportunity. <clears throat> now your second year film at NYU, they only do one film for the whole year. It's, it's like a 20 minute uh, short with live sound, color, uh, 16 millimeter, all in film and back This is then. also before the digital computer age, so. We literally spliced our films with a splicer and film and, and wow. a, a steam back machine. Oh wow. So uh, anyway, that year was important to me. I was like, I want to make a really good movie. So I came up with a cute idea for a story that to me was, you know, had a good comic premise and it had a beginning, middle, and an end in my mind. And it was basically, it was about a kid who, um, I'm sorry, it was about a nerdy guy who works in a Manhattan, you know, uh, advertisement agency. And his older brother's got this wise-ass kid who's like 13 and the nerdy uncle it's sort of pushed and bullied into taking the 13-year-old for a week while he goes off to vacation in Europe. Nerdy uncle has got a crush on a girl at the office. This wise-cracking kid comes into his life, helps him get the girl at the office. 
nerdy uncle teaches the kid that he's not as stupid as his dad keeps telling him he is. And in the process, they form a friendship. And at the end, nerd gets the girl, and they have to say goodbye. So it had a beginning, middle, and end. It had a nice comic press, you know, premise, which is that you know, a kid knows more about sex than an adult. Hmm. <clears throat> and um, I wrote a first draft. And I read it, and I didn't like it. I knew it was there, there was something there, but I just didn't know how to write a script. And I, and I realized that, you know, having worked on my father's script, I just embellished and added, but I didn't know how to start from scratch and build especially something with a you know, comedic premise. So um, I had been fielding headshots. We used to put ads in Backstage Magazine. I would get up stacked this high at NYU for shorts. I mean, it was amazing how many people, how many actors there are out there that want to, um, you know, be in film. And I had, the way they did is you take a, a, something out of a hat and they pick a date. So you have one week to shoot. So you have to meet. Everything has to get organized and produced be, up to that date. So about a few weeks before I was going to shoot, I was making this realization that I didn't love my script. And I had worked so hard. I had done everything I could to be successful at school that year. And I literally got down on my hands and knees and I prayed and I don't usually pray um, but I said I need help I said I've done everything I know how to do and I need a helping hand so the next day I got a headshot in the mail like one last headshot I this was like just kind of trickled in at the end I didn't even open it I just left it there and um, a couple days later I was like I gotta open this headshot so I opened it and there was this guy this picture of this guy, and he had these big, thick Coke bottle glasses, <laughs> spiked hairdo, polka dot you know, bow tie, and like this toothy grin. He literally looked like a cartoon character. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I gotta call this guy you know, to play the lead in the film. So I called him. I'd already booked all my auditions, and um, we started talking. And for some reason, I don't know why I said this, he asked me what the script was about, and I told him. He said, oh, it sounds funny, it sounds cute. And I said, well, to be honest with you, I think, you know, it could be better. He said it sounds cute. That adjective. I heard you say cute. <laughs> a lot of cute adjectives being dropped. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I didn't want to call it out the first time he said he wanted to write a cute story. <laughs> you know, we're, we're men here, okay? We say adorable, not cute. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, so he thinks your cute script is cute. Yes. Sorry, go on. So anyway, I said, I told him, I don't know why. I mean, this is somebody who's going to come audition for me, and I shouldn't be saying this to that person, but I yeah. said, I think it could be better. And he said, well, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I'm a hell of a comedy writer. And I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. So we talked and I said, come on in. And I scheduled him at the very end of the audition. So he comes in, it's freezing. It's like, it's like February in New York and um, everybody's wearing stuff when they come in, all these coats. And he didn't take his off. And I'm just thinking, well, that's a little weird. So I had everybody do a monologue. He gets up and does this monologue and he starts talking about how his parents messed him up as a kid. And it wasn't funny. And I'm thinking, oh damn, cause I was kind of hoping that there was something yeah. going on here. And then as he's talking and telling him about how his parents screwed him up, he starts taking off his coat and underneath it, he's wearing a dress. He's got a little granny bag and he's got a string of pearls. Oh my God. And I was like, and all of a sudden the monologue clicked. It was hilarious. Oh, nice. So we talked afterwards and, um, you know, we got to end up getting together and we ended up rewriting my script. His name was Jaffe Cohen. He's actually an Emmy nominated, uh, writer at this point. Um, he, uh, one of the creators of uh, Feud, the one about Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. Okay. Um, so anyway, Jaffe and I started writing. We rewrote this movie, The Travel Agent, was what it was called. And um, it wasn't an advertising agency, it was a travel agency. And that became your first feature film that you produced? No, that was a, that was a short. Oh, okay. And that, and that led to your first. Then that led to the next year I decided, so at NYU you're supposed to do another final year film, that's your thesis. And I was, you know, you're supposed to be 20 to 30 minutes. And I decided, um, let's go for a feature. Wow. So we ended up shooting a film called Chicken of the Sea. And it was about a Jewish college professor. Jaffe's kind of a, he's, 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 he's Woody Allen-esque. He's, he's kind of a gay Woody Allen if I had to describe him in a sentence. Um, and he played the, college, the Jewish college professor and he brings a black student he falls in love with home to meet his family for Passover. So it was a kind of a New York Jewish interracial comedy and uh, it won some awards. Uh, we, we definitely, uh, we got the, one of the school's directing awards or I did and um, some other, I can't remember but I remember the directing. And so that kind of started me on my way. And Jaffe and I started writing. We, um, we were writing all kinds of stuff. We wrote a script um, called Ask Roz, uh, which was a television pilot 
which ended up being packaged by the William Morris Agency. Oh, there you go. I was, yeah. So I, uh, but I was on the street. I saw, I saw, I don't know if people remember Catherine Helmand. She was the red hair um, woman that was on Who's the Boss? Uh, she was on Soap. It was an old Oh, yeah, sitcom. I remember the mom on Who's the Boss? Right. Yeah, yeah. So she, uh, um, she, I saw her on the street and I literally stopped her and just said, you know, I, really? I have no idea if you're open to reading something, but I said, my partner and I, we just wrote a sitcom pilot for a mature woman. Would you be interested? She said, I'd love to read it. Didn't you also once chase down Fabio on the street? I did. And that's a great story. <laughs> it, and it ties in with you, too. Yeah, yeah. He, he chased down Fabio <clears throat> on the street when you were in college, right? Or Well, okay, I'll, we'll, we'll jump into that yeah. and I can come back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry to jump ahead. It's no, just Fabio, I'm hearing you chase down Fabio, people. Fabio, Catherine Hellman. Who's more, <laughs> what, are, what are we more interested in? <laughs> I think they want to hear about <laughs> Fabio personally, All but, right. you know, no offense to Catherine. Okay. Great, so, great lady, great lady. So, okay, <laughs> so my next feature was something called Hit and Runway. And I was, um, and this is how I met Hoyt Richards, who was somebody else you've interviewed. Yeah, somebody yeah. You, we worked him with last together. episode, exactly. Right. So uh, I was driving my car, and we needed, a, we needed a, for a, one of the roles, we needed a gun-wielding fashion model. Okay? Okay. So I'm driving in my car, and all of a sudden, I see this van with the roof cut off with the Hollywood tours, and the stop in the middle of the intersection, and they're all looking in this direction. I'm like, with their cameras, and I'm like, what the hell? I look over, and there's Fabio driving like a convertible Rolls Royce. Huh. And he's like posing and stopping in the middle of the intersection and waving to them. They're all going crazy. And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> Fabio would be perfect for this gun-wielding fashion model. He's kind of like got an accent like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like we needed this you know, character. So um, I spun around and started chasing him down. <laughs> and I pulled up next to him at a light and I said, roll down that window. And um, he rolled it down. He like looked at me like, like, who the hell is this guy? And I said, so I said, Fabio, I said, I, I, I'm making this feature film. I think you'd be great in this part. I said, it's like a gun-wielding fashion model. He's actually gay, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like, I could just see the eyes glaze over at that point. He was like, and he's like, you talk to my manager. <laughs> so anyway. And then he got hit in the face with a bird. It was crazy, no? <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually comes in too. So anyway, that was nothing. I tried calling the manager, 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 manager. No one ever picked up. They, they never responded um, or they didn't answer the voicemails. <clears throat> so I ended up going to New York and casting Hoyt Richards, who played the gun-wielding fashion model. Hoyt had a huge career as a, as a fashion model. Um, he was considered the first uh, male, male supermodel. supermodel. So we made the movie. Turns out, I didn't know this, Hoyt's friends with Fabio. True so, story, folks. True story. So um, I, we had the premiere of Hit and Runway at the LA Film Festival, and Hoyt invites Fabio. Ha! Okay? What and, are the odds of that? So... Anyway, this is right after he got hit in the face by the bird, <laughs> the goose, and uh, it was his first public outing was my screening. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. See, I was just making that bird joke because I know he got hit in the face with, by a bird, but I didn't realize it was so close in proximity to this. So he came to the screening and I never said a word to him. Oh, really? No. So he had no clue that no this clue. was even... To this day until he maybe watches this. Oh my gosh. Um, so... 
but this is the final irony, which is crazy, is that we, uh, years later, we did this movie called Dumbbells. And Brian um, wrote it with Hoyt, and they brought me in and direct to direct. And we Brian ended up, up collaborating with me in that. And, and we casted Fabio to and, be in the movie. And we cast movie. Fabio to be in the movie. And the final kicker is that we had a, my first movie that ever had a billboard in Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard overlooking everything was of Fabio. And it was a picture of Fabio and it was something about, you know. For your consideration, best actor of the year. Um, it was a joke, obviously. But yeah, a lot of people saw that billboard. And, and what an amazing story when you think like you chasing him down in Manhattan for your movie. He ends up going to that movie premiere and then years later ends up being directed by you in another movie. So it and just shows you if you see an actor you want, chase them down. <laughs> if you don't get them, then you'll get them eventually. And by the way, Fabio, one of the nicest people, such a pleasure to work with, so kind, and a chatty Kathy. You have dinner with that guy, you're gonna be there for nine hours, I'm telling you. <laughs> but a really great guy, wonderful person. Um, it, it seems like you have a lot of magical things, whether it's the Beatles, whether it's Fabio. Um, your, your mother's actually a very popular actress in one of the most iconic films of all time, right? Sunset Boulevard. So, my mom was an actress. She, did, she was in uh, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, she played Betty Schaefer. She was the uh, love interest of William Holden. And she's also done a, a number of Disney films. She did movies, th- four films with William Holden. She did a movie with Bing Crosby, John Wayne. She's had an interesting career. And you she, didn't think movies was a possibility. Okay, <laughs> what was this guy? <laughs> my mom's a huge movie star. My father signed Sank Sinatra. But it's, I could never make it in the entertainment <laughs> business. How silly of me to think that. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. My mom actually just wrote a, uh, her memoirs. Oh, cool. And it just came out. You can get it for Christmas. I don't know when this is going to Oh, yeah. Air. Let them know. Let them know. This is, this is going to come out in a week or so. It's called A Front Row Seat. And um, it's a, it covers her whole life story. The old Hollywood system. Coming to Hollywood, being discovered, signed by Paramount. Doing Sunset Boulevard. Um, also, she pulled from... My, oh, her first husband was Alan Lerner of Lerner and Lowe, who wrote My Fair Lady. So um, she covers a whole bunch of stuff with Alan Lerner and the, the creation of My Fair Lady, his Broadway's, you know, Camelot, um, Gigi, and, uh, which is a film, and, um, and some of his other you know, big musicals. Um, but she also pulled from my father's memoirs. My father you know, you know, started at Capitol Records. He, he created Bozo the Clown. <laughs> BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into 150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlay, 
parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I, that's my favorite fact ever, that your dad created Bozo the Clown. <laughs> and fun fact, any film that I've ever written or made or pretty much anything I've been a part of, I include the word Bozo <laughs> somewhere <laughs> And I've always loved that word from, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan, and you know Seinfeld was always like, why do they say Bozo the Clown? Are we going to mix him up with Bozo the Orthodontist? <laughs> I think just Bozo says it all. <laughs> but I've always loved that word, and so it's so crazy that, that your father um, invented Bozo the Clown. I mean, remarkable lineage that you're a part of. Yeah, he, he started a capital and he was hired to do children's records. He kind of finagled his way in, and the first thing he did was create an album called Bozo with the Circus, and that was the birth of Bozo the Clown. And uh, he did more children's albums, then came, went into the A&R department, um, and he was the person that actually, there was something called the King Cole Trio, and uh, Nat King Cole was a part of that. He was a piano player, and my father thought he heard his voice and said, you know, you, you could be a solo artist. And he encouraged, encouraged, and finally got Nat to agree to put out an, a single. And um, Nat crossed the color barrier. He was the first black artist that actually, uh, you know, started being played on mainstream white radio. And um, some interesting stories there about about my father taking Nat to, to uh, uh, the Brown Derby in Hollywood and some of the issues that he had to deal with racially. Um, <clears throat> he moved on. He ended up then leaving Capitol at some point, going to NBC. He, he created Bonanza, the, the television series, you know, the, the Cowboys. And, um, and then he went back to Capitol and had his heyday, you know, as president of Capitol Records. 
Wow. So Un- all that's un- in the book too. Unbelievable. Well, make sure you go get his mom's book. Uh, to wind down, um, I want to ask you a couple just short answers, okay? Uh, best movie you've seen this year, what is it? You know, I'm glad you asked me this year because if you asked me last year, I wouldn't be able to even think of a movie. Um, I enjoyed The Fablements. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet. That's the Steven Spielberg story. But it's personal because it's also, you know, it's about a filmmaker kind of discovering the camera and You can relate to it. I could relate to it. Um, What was the worst movie you saw this year? Well, I can tell you the worst movie I saw last year. Okay. Power of the Dog. Oh. Okay, I don't, I don't know that one. Oh. Apparently, it wasn't very powerful. It was very, it was well received. It had a lot of, you know, reception by the Academy. It was one of the worst movies I've seen in my life. What movie are you most looking forward to that's not out yet? Uh, I want to see um, the James Cameron um, Avatar Two. Avatar yeah, Two. That's, that's everybody's answer right now um, for good reason. Comes out this week. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the whale. I keep hearing about about. Oh yeah, his Brendan Fraser. Yeah, he's apparently phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Banshees was pretty good. That was interesting. Okay. Um, uh, that was Colin Farrell. Colin, yes. I'm not sure. Yet. Um, and then, what did I just see? Um, Graham took me to something. My son, Graham. My son, Graham, is, by the way, is completely into film. Like old school, kind of film snob about it. He, <laughs> we go to the New Beverly and see, it's owned by Quentin Tarantino and they only show film prints. Um, but... Uh, I'm blanking out, but there was another good one. All right, let me ask you this, okay? And we're going to end on this. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite movie of all time? Can't answer. Can't answer? Can't give me one? I can give you lots. Just give me one of your favorite movies of all time. Doesn't have to be the one, but what's one of your favorite movies of all time? Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest, really? Yes. In, In two sentences, tell them why. It's brilliant. It's funny. It's got heart. It's with Tim Allen, right? Yes. In fact, I, this is an interesting little footnote. You know David Mamet, the writer? Uh, I've heard of that, him, yeah. Okay, well he did, um, uh, oh God, uh, Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, he said there were four perfect movies in the history of Hollywood. I don't remember all four. Godfather was one of them. Galaxy Quest was another. Well. You guys have heard it here first. (laughs) From the Beatles to Frank Sinatra to Bozo the Clown down to Galaxy Quest. (laughs) This has been Chris Livingston. Uh, Thank you so much. Go get his mom's memoir. Thanks for sharing about yourself. Thank you. And uh, yeah, if there's anything you want to say, this is your, your moment. Go buy a front row seat. You want to read something that is a total page turner that will give you a complete window into old Hollywood and the history of Capitol Records and Broadway and everything else. Also political stuff about, uh, she had very interesting stories about Jack Kennedy, John F. Kennedy. So um, if you're interested, and check where, out the where book. Where can they buy the book? You can get it on Amazon. Um, it's in bookstores, but Amazon. What's the name of it? A Front Row Seat All right. by Nancy Olson Livingston. All right, great. Thank you, Chris. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Movies. Thank you. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.